Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> I'm going to give you a little secret that pastors kind of hold close to their to their chest. They don't usually, most pastors I know wouldn't say what I'm about to say. <clears throat> It's hard preaching during holidays. Think about that. I I heard a pastor one time that had been at a church uh, for over 20 years. And he said, do you realize how hard it is to come up with a new message for Christmas after 20 years? Think about it. I mean, you know, because, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, one of the traps that pastors fall into is this need to always have something new. And as, <clears throat> uh, you know, and it's particularly the most difficult at Christmas and Easter because Christmas and Easter are really the two big Christian holidays, are they not? And and so every Christmas and every Easter, it is required that a pastor have a new message. Well, as I was praying for this morning's message, God kept bringing me back to the Christmas story. It's not complicated. In fact, the Christmas story is really pretty simple. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. So, this morning, you're going to get a really simple message this morning. And you're you're probably going to walk away and say, you know what, I, I didn't learn anything. And, and you know what? That that's okay. But hopefully, hopefully the Spirit of God will remind you of some things. Because Jesus was not a complicated person. Now, theologians like to complicate, and, and religion likes to complicate. But really, the whole Christmas message is really pretty simple. The gospel is really, really simple. Uh, In fact, Jesus had an interesting conversation with his disciples. Uh, in, In Mark chapter 10, in verses 13 to 15, it says, And they brought uh, young children to him. That, uh, he sh- that, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was uh, displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive uh, the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And basically, what he is saying uh, to his disciples was, you know what, 
the gospel message is so simple that even a child can understand. And in fact, what he, he goes on to say, and get this, he says, um, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And basically what he's saying is if you don't put away religion and you don't put away all the complications of life and, and you need to understand as a small child the simplicity of a small child, then you won't be able to go to heaven yourself. It's not complicated. We like to complicate it. Uh, religion and theology and all of these things, we like to complicate it, but it is really, really simple. I've had very well-educated people tell me, Pastor, it can't be that simple. I, there, is, there has to be more to salvation uh, than just receiving Jesus Christ. There has to be more to it. And, and my, my answer to that is, no, actually, it, there, there isn't. It's really that simple. And people will oftentimes argue with me. And, I'm saying, I, and then I, I will take them to this verse and, and explain to them, hey, look, it is that simple. <clears throat> the title of my message is The Simplicity of the Christmas Story. The Simplicity of the Christmas Story. Let's, let's read in Luke chapter 2. Start reading in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this tax, taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, to uh, Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she <clears throat> should uh, be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, <clears throat> as the angel, uh, the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came and made haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. <clears throat> thank You for Your love. And Lord, this morning as we look at this incredibly simple but life-changing truth, we ask that You would speak to our hearts, that You would encourage us, and that You would help us to be more like You. We are truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There is an interesting, or, or, or not so much, well, I guess it's interesting, but it's a, there's an important truth here. And that is this, the, the, the Christmas story and the gospel message are the same thing. Oftentimes we want to separate them, but you can't do that. See, you have to understand that the, the, the Christmas story, Christ came to die. Look at, look at verse 28 of, of, of Luke chapter 1, verse, 20, verse 28. It says, Then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, <clears throat> um, no, that ain't right. Anyway, forget it. <clears throat> I, I, I put down the wrong reference. I don't know what I was thinking. But anyway, <clears throat> the Christmas story is about Jesus coming to earth for one reason, and that is to die. The Gospel story is, very simply, Jesus giving His life for you. So the two are one and the same. So point number one this morning is the reason for His coming. The reason for His coming. We see this reason very clearly in, in uh, Luke chapter 2 in verses 7 and verse 12. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the end. Verse 12, And there shall be a sign unto you, and ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, <clears throat> we need to stop here and kind of talk about something for just a second. Words are important. And when it comes to Scripture, words are very important. Now, <clears throat> it, could have, it, it could have read in verse 7, and she brought forth her first 
uh, <clears throat> firstborn son and wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger. But it doesn't say that. It very clearly identifies something as swaddling clothes. And then in verse 12, the, the shepherds, one of the ways, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but one of the ways that the shepherds were going to be able to identify the proper baby was the fact that it was wrapped in swaddling clothes. So then that should cause us to ask the question, what are swaddling clothes? Okay, swaddling clothes, very simply put, um, often, not, not always, but occasionally, I shouldn't say often, occasionally, uh, newborns were wrapped in swaddling clothes. And, and what they were is they, they were just long strips of cloth, and then what they would do, with a, with a, particularly with a baby, is they would wrap it very, very tightly so that it would mimic uh, a baby being in a womb. But the primary use of swaddling clothes was used as grave, grave clothing. <clears throat> An example of that is found in, in John chapter 11, verse 44, and <clears throat> talking about Lazarus here, and he, and he that was dead came forth, uh, bound head and foot in grave clothes, and his clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. So the idea of here loosing him literally means to unwind him. So the, the grave clothes were taken off of Lazarus. And <clears throat> so the, uh, the idea here of swaddling clothes uh, <clears throat> is significant. It was the very thing that would help the shepherds identify him. So now it's my simple mind, the way it works, is if that was one of the identifiers to the shepherds, then it would not be a normal way a baby should be seen. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, the fact that they used swaddling clothes instead of a blanket, and you know, it, it it could be it could be that Mary just was unprepared uh, to give birth, and she just used whatever was in the was in the it was in the uh, uh, the uh, the barn, if you would. But I, I'm not too sure about that, because women who are nine months pregnant. Aren't they ready? <laughs> I know when my wife was pregnant, uh, she was ready. I mean, she wanted, the, you know, out. Yes. <clears throat> so she should have been prepared. So why is it so important then that we identify this, this, this very specific term here, swaddling clothes? Why is that so important? Because it was not only an identification for the shepherds, but it was also a picture for the very reason Jesus came. See, if swaddling clothes were primarily used 
to bury the dead, then how more appropriate would it be to wrap Jesus, baby Jesus, in swaddling clothes? Because is that not why he came? See, the gospel message and the Christmas message are the same thing. Jesus came to die. That was the whole reason. And very from the very beginning, from the very time of his birth, God wanted it known to mankind why he sent his son. Jesus came to die. Being placed in a manger speaks of the humility. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, even the Son of Man came not to, to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. See, Jesus never came to promote himself. He never did. You can, you can go through Scripture and you can even go through secular history and you will never find anywhere where Jesus <clears throat> promotes Himself. He doesn't do it. That's not why He came. He came to die for you and for me. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that I might <clears throat> have life, <clears throat> excuse me, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Why did Jesus come? He came so that we could have abundant life. Jesus, Jesus' desire is not that we just have life, but that we have it abundantly. Now, I'm going to stop here and I'm going to, again, I, we're going to do this a few times in this message because I want to, I want to kind of deal with some things along the way. <clears throat> the reason of his coming was not that we would have a day that we, on December 25th, where we have this day where we come together as families and we give and exchange, give and get presents. Uh, you know, <clears throat> the idiot who said it's more fun to give than receive, is a, that's a stupid thing. We, we, we all like getting, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, now it sounds very pious. And it sounds, oh, it's so much better to give. And we do, we do have joy in our hearts when we get. But it is so much fun to get. Okay, just saying. Be honest. <clears throat> but, but that's not why he died. He did not die so that we would have this day to, 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 to get together and do that. Oh, and I do want to say this. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. In fact, it is a really good thing to exchange presents. Okay? 
Now, <clears throat> there are people out there in the world that teach that that is that it's wrong. But but really, the very day that we celebrate Christmas isn't. Wouldn't that be the best day to give and receive presents? Because is that not what he? Why he came? He came to give his life. There are people that uh, won't celebrate Christmas because it's not about uh, trees and and blinking lights and all of that stuff. And, you know, hey, that's fine. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, that's fine. There are people that... um, uh, uh, frown at Christmas trees because they they and and this is true. You can get on the internet and figure find this out. But the Christmas tree uh, originated from pagan uh, 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 background. Okay. Now, <clears throat> whether you have a Christmas tree or not, that's your business. Okay. Just don't worship it. Okay. Okay. It's. <laughs> Okay. Now, and I will say this. I will say this. If you look at our church, we do not have a Christmas tree in our church, and and that's why, because there are a lot of Christians that get highly offended by by Christmas trees. Now, if you come to my house, guess what you're going to see? You, I don't I don't bow down and worship my tree. Okay, I'm just saying, and, and it's made out of plastic, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, and then there are some who will spend hours and hours and hours arguing that December, there's no way Jesus was born on December 25th. Who cares? Okay. And, and see, my, my point is this, we can get so consumed with chasing the peripheral that we forget to worship the king. It's not about Christmas trees. It's not about lights. It's not about presents. And it's not about all of this stuff. It's about remembering why he came. See, we can get so consumed with all of the junk that we forget the reason for the season. He came so that we might have life and life abundantly. What an incredible, simple truth. So number one, the reason for us coming. Number two, the the message delivered. Excuse me. Look at verse eight, <clears throat> and we're gonna we're gonna kind of focus in on 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 one little passage here. <clears throat> and there were in the there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I want to look at two 
messages in the in the in in and really in, in verse 10, two messages that the angel delivered to the shepherds. The first one is fear not. Fear not. We see that phrase in Luke chapter 1 and 2. We see it three three times. Three times in, in, in Luke chapters 1 and 2. The frick, excuse me. The phrase, fear not, appears in the Bible almost 100 times. That's just the, the, the phrase, fear not, appears almost 100 times. Now, whenever I see something like that, I have to stop and think, okay, do we as human beings have a problem with fear? And the answer to that is, well, yeah. Okay. But the angels told them, verses 6 and 7, are not, this is Jesus speaking here, and he says, are not uh, five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hair on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are more valuable, or, or ye are of more value than many sparrows. In other words, if God knows where every bird is and the condition and everything about every single bird, can he not take care of you? He knows the number of hairs on our head. And now would be a good time to make a comment about it's getting easier to count or something like that, but I won't do that. <clears throat> but the reality is this, if God knows how many hairs are on your head, does he not know what's going on in your life? If he can keep track of the birds in the skies... Can he not keep track of you? And can he not meet every need that you have? Absolutely he can. Fear not. Fear not. We have, I, I, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I don't know that I have ever look forward to New Year's Day than I have this year. I mean, you know, I have, I have, I, I don't, you can ask my family. I, I norm, normally New Year's, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, it's just another day of the week to me. I really could care. But I am so done with 2020. I mean, if nothing else, I turned 60 in 2020, okay? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just done with it, okay? Let's just move on. But on a serious note, I know people who are absolutely scared to death to leave their homes. 
And, and, and I, you know, let me say this. Whether you agree with it or not, doesn't matter. To them, it's real. And I understand their fear. I, I, I know people that are, are will, they will leave their home, they will go out in public, but they're scared to talk, to, to interact with people. The Bible says, fear not. Fear not. I agree. Each of us, each of us has different things that we fear. Things that I may fear, you may think are absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? That's okay. You can think that. I'm not going to tell you what they are. But but, you know, we all face things, do we not? Fear not. Why can we live a life with no fear? And I'm not talking about that stupid T-shirt or company that, you know, no fear and they jump off buildings and they do it. That's that. No, that's stupid. Okay. Just, that's just stupid. Okay. <clears throat> I'm talking about legitimate fear. I'm not talking about stupidity. But how can we live our lives with no fear? It, it, it is because of the second statement. The first statement was no fear. The second one, let's look at verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And, and you know, we, we are so programmed to the Christmas story that we read that and we go, oh, well, that's really nice. But what does it mean? Good tidings of great joy. Well, the word tidings there is the same word used in other places in Scripture as news. So literally, what the angel was saying is, I bring you good news. Well, the phrase good news in Scripture always refers to the gospel. The Apostle Paul defines the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4. through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which also, uh, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, 
and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scripture. That is the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and three days later he rose. That's the God, That's the good news. I have an interesting thought for you. If you were standing outside of a, a, a courtroom and somebody come walking out of the courtroom on their cell phone and you overheard them saying something to the effect of, whoa, I've got good news. I just won my case. <clears throat> now, is that a realistic conversation that you could overhear? Okay? Okay? <clears throat> now, the, my question is this. Is that a true statement? Because, my point is this. Is everybody in the, in the courtroom in agreement that that news is good? Somebody lost. Now, it may be good news for that person. Now, those of you that are sports fans, <clears throat> somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. You know, your team may win. That's good news. But there's a whole bunch of people on the other side of the field that are not feeling so hot. We just had an election. Hey. Hey, you know what? I don't care how you feel about it. Some people are happy and some people are sad. See, earthly speaking, Good news is relative. Right? Just because it's good to me doesn't necessarily mean it's good for everybody. And we go through cycles where good news makes us happy, but oftentimes good news is not always good for the other person. But what is so unique about the gospel story, about the good news that the angels were delivering? Let's look at verse 10 again. It says, And the angel of, <clears throat> said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings or good news of great joy. For who? For all people. For all people. See, the good news is for all people. Not just for the ones who win cases. Not for just the one who, who picks the right sports team. It is for all people. The good news is for all people. Jesus Christ died for all people.
have another question for you. To whom is the good news given? Say it. All people. Now, <clears throat> let me illustrate it. If, if I, I'm not going to do this, okay, but today's my birthday, and if, if, <laughs> if, if I said, hey, you know what, I'm, I want to invite everybody over to my house for birthday cake. My, number one, my wife would kill me. <clears throat> because we don't have any birthday cake. Because <laughs> I told her, I said, I'd rather have Steve's ice cream. Amen? Amen? Okay. All right. Um, so, so number one, she would kill me. So, But number two, not everybody in here would think you were included. Because this is what happens. As, as you would be walking out the door, and I shook everybody's hand on the way out the door and said, hey, are you coming to my house for a cake? I can guarantee there would be several people say, oh, were you? did you include me in that? Right. And you, and you laugh, but it never fails because I'll make an announcement. Hey, ladies, there's a ladies' meeting down in unit 112, blah, 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 blah. And, I'll, and a, a lady will be walking out. Oh, did, oh, oh, I, I'm invited? My point is this. The good news is for all people. But then he goes on. And he makes the invitation personal because he makes this broad statement that the the good news is for all people look at verse 11 for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior which is Christ the Lord see not only does he does he make the announcement to all people but then he turns around and he says, for unto you. So it would be the same equivalent of me saying, hey, everybody's invited to my house for birthday cake. And then me standing at the door, re-inviting you and saying, hey, I want you to come. That's exactly the context of what he's doing here. You can't get any more simple than that. Number three, and we'll be done. Number three, let's look at the effect of his coming. The effect of his coming. Verse 15, and the angel, uh, oh, excuse me, and and it came to pass as as the angel was gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the, the saying which was told them concerning the child. 
And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I want to look at two effects that the message has. Two effects. Two things that affects us. Number one, they told others. Look at verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They couldn't hold it in any longer. They had to tell other people about it. One of the evidences that, that happens in the life of somebody who, who gets saved is the fact that they, they want to tell someone. They just couldn't hold it in anymore. There's a story in, later in Jesus' life that takes place. and Jesus and his disciples were, were traveling and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, you know, I have to go through Samaria because where they were going, typically the Jews did not go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria. Uh, <clears throat> Samaria was... <clears throat> at the time of Jesus, Samaria was, well, let, let me rephrase that. Israel was divided kind of in two, and Samaria was in the middle. And you couldn't go from one side of Israel to the other without either going through Samaria or, or going around Samaria. And the reason why the majority of the time they would go around Samaria is because they hated the Samaritans. They were half Jew, uh, and uh, they were considered to be kind. They were considered dogs. Okay, the Jews hated them. They they absolutely despised them, and they literally thought more of their animals than they did the Samaritans. So when Jesus tells his disciples, hey, we're going to be going from point A to point B, but I have to go through Samaria. He's making an incredible statement because it goes against everything cultural of the day. And, and, and let me stop right here and say this. Racism is nothing new. Mankind has been fighting racism from the beginning, and they're going to fight it till it's done. Just saying, okay? It's, it's horrible. It's horrible, and, and it shouldn't be. But anyway, <clears throat> so Jesus says, I have to go through Samaria. And by the way, Jesus was not that way. And I'll I'll show you here in a in a minute why why I'm saying he was not he was not that way. But Jesus tells his disciples, and his disciples freak out, and, and anyway, he just says, Hey, I've got to do it. So they do it. And they get part of the way through, and he comes up to a well where he encounters a woman. And we don't know her name, but in theology she's known as the woman at the well. Uh, <clears throat> her profession is sketchy uh, uh, because they, they approach the well in the middle of the day, which is 
uh, unusual because in that culture back then with the, the, the heat and the temperature stuff, they didn't typically travel in the middle of the, the, the middle of the day. But anyway, they get to the well in the middle of the day and there's a woman there drawing water out of the well in the middle of the day. That is not done. Typically, the women of the villages would come and draw water in the mornings and the evenings. The only time you'd ever see somebody, particularly a woman, do it during the middle of the day is someone, a woman, who was not welcome with the rest of the women. Do you get where I'm going with this? Okay. So she has her issues. Jesus walks up to her and says, hey, can you give me something to drink? And, and anyway, they have this conversation. And after a lengthy conversation, she realizes who Jesus is. He says to her, uh, you drink of my water and you'll never thirst again. And so she realizes who Jesus is. And in John chapter 4, verses 24 to 29, says, The woman said unto him, I know that uh, Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, Will he tell us all things? And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. So what, is, what did he just say? He said, I'm the Messiah. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Okay, there's the cultural problem. Number one, she's a Samaritan. Number two, she's there at the well in the middle of the day, which tells everybody what she did for a profession. And the apostle, the, his, his, his disciples were marveled that he would have the audacity to talk to her. Yet no man said, What speakest thou, or why talketh with her? The woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that even, that even I did. Is not this the Christ? What did she do when she met the Messiah? She had to go tell. She had to. She couldn't hold it in any longer. She had to share the good news. Hey, guess what? I found the Christ. I found the Messiah. The Messiah is at the well. What an incredible thing. The shepherds, <clears throat> they saw everything that the angels said came true. And they saw baby Jesus laying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And what was the first thing they did? They had to go tell everybody. See, when we meet the Messiah, when we meet Jesus, one of the things that we should want to do is to tell others. She just couldn't hold it in. The second effect that Jesus should have on our lives, we see in verse 18 of our passage, and when they 
that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. The second thing is the message should affect our hearts. It should affect our hearts. The people that the shepherds, they they wondered and they, they, they were astounded by the things that they had heard. Let's go back to John chapter 4. What happened when this Samaritan woman went to the men of the city and said, hey, you're not going to believe the Messiah is out there. Now, now let's stop here again. Okay, who who are the Samaritans? They were half Jews. So they knew all the Old Testament teachings about the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah too. They, she knew exactly what to ask. And, and, and when he said, hey, I'm it, she knew who he was. So when she goes into the town and says, hey, I have found the Christ, the Messiah. Everybody in town knew. In John chapter 4 and verse 39 and 40, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all things ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come up unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. Jesus Christ spent two days in a Samaritan city ministering to them. Jesus died for all men. I don't care what color, what race, what ethnic background, it doesn't matter. Christ died for all men. For all people. There is nothing to fear. Why could the angel say, fear not? Because of the effect of the message. The effect of the message is that it, it, it changes lives. Twenty twenty, I teased it earlier about the <clears throat> waiting for twenty twenty to be over, but the reality is twenty twenty has been a but it been an incredible year for me. Because June twenty third marked my fortieth birthday as a Christian. And today marks my 60th birthday as a human being. I can celebrate today with great joy because of the second birth that took place 40 years ago. Twenty twenty has been a great year. Has taught me a lot. Now, do I want to go back and relive it? I don't think so. But I'll, I'll, I will cherish the things that I've learned in 2020. I'll tell you what, if nothing else, God has taught me a lot about myself in this year. The Christmas story 
is a story that is, it's, it's not complicated. Christ came to die. And he did that at Calvary 33 years later. At the beginning, I said that the message of the gospel is simple. So simple that even a child could understand it. I want to close with this verse. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want to close with this thought. Are you carrying a burden this morning? I know personally some of you are. I know that. But the message that Jesus gives us during this season is fear not. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wants to carry your load. I made a statement on, on a Sunday night a couple weeks ago that this time of year, unrealistic to Hollywood, many people carry many, many burdens this time of year. Jesus never wanted it to be that way. The commercialization that has taken place in our country over this holiday has put added pressure on us. We are supposed to be happy this time of year. Well, we can be if our hope is in the right place. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you.